The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. Today we're going to be discussing house elves, an often overlooked species of magical beings from within the wizarding world. Specifically, we're going to be diving into their origins, taking a look at where they came from and how they got to be in the position that they're in today. House elves have been an integral part of wizarding society for centuries, serving as loyal companions and helpers to wizarding families. But what's interesting is that we're never actually fed much info on their history. Did house elves precede the existence of witches and wizards? When did house elves first come to be? What inspired JK Rowling to create them? Why do they serve? And just how did they evolve into such an essential aspect of the wizarding world? I also want to examine how house elves were used to symbolize deeper themes of social justice, equality, and the ethics of servitude. Hopefully, through our examination of their history, we'll uncover the powerful messages JK Rowling intended to convey through highlighting the mistreatment of an entire species marginalized in society. Without further ado, let's dive in. What is a house elf? In Harry Potter, house elves are magical creatures that are bound to serve their masters willingly and without question. Standing at a diminutive height, measuring around two to three feet, house elves possess petite and slender bodies. Atop their tiny bald heads, they have large, bat-like ears. These ears are not just for show, mind you. They enable house elves to detect even the faintest of sounds, making them excellent at fulfilling their duties and ensuring they are ever alert to the needs of their masters. They can often be seen wearing small pieces of fabric resembling tea towels, and can only be freed from their servitude through an ancient and magical bond called the giving of clothes. But don't let their small stature deceive you, for their magical powers are far from small. In fact, from what we've seen in the Harry Potter series, it almost seems like they're more powerful than a lot of witches and wizards. One of the best examples of their magical mastery is in their advanced ability to apparate. In addition to apparition, house elves possess the power to perform magical tasks with great accuracy. They are unique in their abilities to perform menial tasks like cooking and cleaning with a touch of magic, making them valuable assets in any household. These abilities exemplify an extraordinary level of efficiency and skill, which is crucial in their servitude. One of the most noteworthy traits of house elves is their unwavering loyalty towards their masters. They take their duty of serving their masters seriously, and will go to extreme lengths to accomplish the task assigned to them. This loyalty also signifies their strong values of honor and commitment. However, the dynamic between wizards and house elves also raises a whole bunch of ethical considerations, which we'll get into later. House Elf Origins we're first introduced to the concept of house elves in the Chamber of Secrets, when Harry meets Dobby, the resident house elf of Draco's family and the family's home, Malfoy Manor. Through this introduction, we discover that the upper class of the wizarding world all seem to own house elves, elves who are magically bound to serve their masters and work in servitude for well-to-do wizarding families without compensation. Their tasks range from cleaning to cooking and running errands, all without question. And in the Goblet of Fire, at least the novel version, we're introduced to even more house elves, the ones employed by Hogwarts. It becomes abundantly clear right away that the very existence of house elves is based around servitude. 
with many of them locked into a kind of magical enslavement as they're passed down from one generation of a wizarding family to the next. We also come to discover that the only way they can escape their enslavement is if their master gives them a piece of clothing. This aspect of house elf servitude is put on display in the Chamber of Secrets, when Harry helps Dobby to secure his freedom from Lucius Malfoy and the Malfoy family. But when did all of this begin? What was the catalyst for elves serving Wizardkind? Because the origin of house elves is not clearly explained in the series, the door has been left wide open for fan speculation. One popular theory among fans is that house elves are actually a creation of Wizardkind, made with magic for the express purpose of serving magical high society. The issue with this theory, however, is that elves are a long-standing and prevalent race among other works of fiction. If J.K. Rowling had decided to create a wizard-made creature, I don't see why she would have recycled a creature that's so common among other magical universes. Furthermore, the fact that house elves are called house elves in the first place would suggest that there are also other kinds of elves. If other elves do in fact exist freely in the wizarding world, then it makes it even less likely that they are a creation of wizard kind. Unfortunately, on the topic of other types of elves, we're met with another dead end. Another theory which takes into account genetic traits, evolution, and natural selection is that house elves were simply domesticated by wizards. Imagine this, long ago, deep within the enchanting forests and hidden realms of the wizarding world, witches and wizards first encountered a rare and undocumented species known as wild elves. These elves, unlike their domesticated counterparts, possessed a fiery spirit of freedom and an untamed magic that defied conventional wizarding practices. And by employing a combination of enchantments and gentle persuasion, wizardkind gradually began to teach the wild elves the ways of the wizarding world. However, spellbound by their unique powers and the potential for an extraordinary alliance, Wizards sought to brought these wild beings into their lives, not as equals, unfortunately, but instead as loyal companions and helpers. And in exchange for the shelter, care, and guidance offered by Wizardkind, the elves gradually relinquished their freedom and embraced their roles as loyal household assistants. I imagine it could have started as more of an informal arrangement, in which wizards offered protection to elves and, in return, elves helped out around the house. Perhaps it started innocently enough with preparing a meal or two, or making the beds at the beginning of the day. But then, over time, it's possible that the elves who provided witches and wizards with better service were in turn treated better. The more independent-minded elves may have been cast out and possibly killed off without the protection of wizards, or simply left without much opportunity in the way of finding a mate. After all, like many other species, it's not impossible to imagine that an elf with a job was more desirable to a potential spouse than one with no prospects. From there, it's possible that wizards further manipulated the evolution of elves by breeding the most obedient and docile of the species with each other. After all, wizarding households only seem to have one elf at a time, which leads to the question of procreation. How is this species continuing to reproduce? Provided that house elves have demonstrated an extraordinary mastery of magic in the Harry Potter universe, I've often wondered why they would serve wizardkind. This theory would help to explain how and why they became enslaved. Because they've been bred to enjoy their servitude, loyalty, obedience, and punishments. As we all know, house elves are famous for their unwavering loyalty to their masters, 
This loyalty is so intense that they refuse to be set free unless their masters present them with clothes. This honor code also drives them to carry out their duties to the best of their abilities, even at great personal risk and sacrifice. It's not uncommon to find house elves carrying out their duties even at the cusp of death. However, this intense devotion can have dire consequences, as we saw in the case of Regulus Black's house elf creature, who was unable to prevent Regulus's sacrifice despite his strong desire to save him. Typically, house elves take orders from many people, not only serving a specific master, but also the whole family of the master and anyone else the master orders them to serve. If they are given an order from any of the aforementioned parties, they must obey them. To house elves, the master's orders were considered the house elves highest law. In the event that a house elf fails to obey their master, they must engage in some form of self-punishment. One of the most common and known self-punishment methods utilized by house elves is known as self-flagellation. This involves physically striking oneself, often with a whip or a sharp object, as a form of expressing guilt or atoning for any perceived failures. It is a way for them to take responsibility for any mistakes they believe they have made, real or imagined. The sight of a house elf engaging in self-flagellation can be quite distressing, as it illustrates the depth of their devotion and their willingness to endure pain for their perceived transgressions. Another form of self-punishment employed by house elves is self-starvation. In moments of extreme disappointment or when they feel they have failed their masters, house elves may choose to deny themselves food as a means of chastising themselves. This act of self-deprivation showcases their dedication and their belief that they deserve punishment for any perceived shortcomings. The self-harm exhibited by house elves highlights the harsh conditions in which they live and the psychological toll that their loyalty-driven servitude can take on them. But what is perhaps most interesting and simultaneously concerning about house elves is that they actually seem to find some measure of happiness in their enslavement. There are a few exceptions like Dobby who yearned for freedom and independence, but most house elves would actually feel insulted if their masters offered them payment, pensions, or reward that deviate from simple acts of kindness. House elves find joy and pride in serving their masters, even if it means inflicting self-punishment, torture, or even self-maiming to please them. House elves and Hogwarts It shouldn't come as much of a surprise that, when discussing the history of house elves, we are brought to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. In fact, the house elves brought to Hogwarts by founder Helga Hufflepuff are the earliest ones on record. During the early days of Hogwarts, 10th century, when the castle was just a glimmer of the majestic fortress we know today, the founders recognized the essential role house elves could play in maintaining its operations. These magical beings became the invisible threads that wove Hogwarts' tapestry of magic and order. From cleaning the common rooms to assisting in the kitchens, house elves ensured that every nook and cranny of the castle was cared for with utmost dedication. Helga Hufflepuff is officially credited with bringing the house elves to Hogwarts, which makes sense as they were originally enlisted with the task of helping to prepare the Hogwarts feasts. And though they were technically still bound to servitude, bringing them to a place with good working conditions was the most moral choice available at the time. Rather than serving just one family, the house elves of Hogwarts served the school itself. There was a little bit more to the relationship between the founders and the house elves than simple servitude. The house elves of Hogwarts were valued a lot more 
than the one still confined to disrespectful visiting families. They were guardians of the castle's secrets, custodians of its history, and keepers of its magical essence. And in return, the house elves displayed unwavering loyalty and dedication to their beloved Hogwarts. Today, in a post-Battle of Hogwarts era, many house elves still inhabit the Hogwarts castle. At least a hundred little elves were standing around the kitchen, bowing and curtsying as Dobby led Harry past them. But there are some notable changes, the first being that after aiding the good guys in the Battle of Hogwarts, the elves of Hogwarts became even more respected by staff and students alike. To those who were still on the fence about the place of house elves in society, this pushed them over the edge and forced them to reconsider the level of respect that they should be giving them. Additionally, some of the house elves of Hogwarts began getting paid for their work at the castle, an entirely new concept that many had difficulty accepting. While many of them embraced their new income, many rejected the notion that they should be paid for their work, maintaining their insistence that they are simply bound and happy to serve without compensation. Spew While we're on the topic of Hogwarts house elves, it would be criminal not to mention Spew, aka the Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare. Created by the ever-compassionate Hermione Granger in 1994, Spew was an organization dedicated to advocating for the fair treatment and rights of house elves in the wizarding world. Hermione originally wanted to call the organization Stop the Outrageous Abuse of Our Fellow Magical Creatures and campaign for a change in their legal status. But as the long and complicated name wouldn't fit on a badge, Hermione eventually settled for Spew. You see, Hermione's heart was deeply moved by the plight of house elves, who were bound to serve their masters without any regard for their well-being or freedom. Determined to bring about change, she sought to raise awareness about the mistreatment of house elves and to ultimately secure their liberation. You know, house elves get a very raw deal, it's slavery, that's what it is. That Mr. Crouch made her go up to the top of the stadium and she was terrified, and he's got her bewitched so she can't even run when they start trampling tents. Why doesn't anyone do something about it? Armed with badges and leaflets, she tirelessly campaigned for the rights of house elves, urging her fellow students and even professors to take notice and join her cause. She firmly believed that house elves deserved to be treated with kindness, respect, and most importantly, be granted the freedom to choose their own destinies. But Hermione was nothing if not persistent and determined. Through Spew, she campaigned tirelessly for the rights of house elves, raising awareness of their plight and advocating for their freedom. While her initial tactics may have been a bit misguided, her intentions were pure, and her empathy for these magical creatures shone through. However, it is worth noting that the creation of Spew was met with mixed reactions. While some admired Hermione's dedication and saw the merit in her cause, there were those who dismissed it as misguided or unnecessary. Even Ron Weasley, Hermione's loyal friend, initially found Spew to be overly idealistic, teasing her about her activism. Nevertheless, Hermione remained undeterred, demonstrating her unwavering commitment to fighting for the rights of house elves. At one stage, Hermione makes the decision to knit clothes as a means of freeing the Hogwarts house elves, scattering the clothes around the Gryffindor common room. Knowing that house elves clean the space, Hermione hoped that the elves would pick up the clothes and gain their freedom. However, many of the elves regarded Hermione's actions as insulting, resulting in the house elves of Hogwarts refusing to continue to clean the Gryffindor common room. There is no clear consensus on what the house elves thought of Spew. While some house elves, like Dobby, 
were grateful for Hermione's activism and recognition of their rights as sentient beings, others, such as Winky, felt that being a house elf was their duty and that they should serve their masters without question. It is worth noting that house elves, like humans, have diverse opinions and experiences, and it is unfair to assume that all house elves would share the same views on Spew. What the movement did accomplish, however, was raising awareness about the treatment of house elves. Though Spew might not have achieved immediate success, it did leave a lasting impact on the wizarding world and sparked important conversations about the treatment of magical creatures. It opened the doors for dialogue and prompted individuals to reflect upon the ethics of enslavement and the fair treatment of creatures who exhibited intelligence and emotions. House Elves in Myth The house elves that appear in Harry Potter are certainly not a novel concept. In fact, there are a multitude of different figures spanning various folklores and mythologies that closely resemble the house elves in Harry Potter. The first and perhaps most notable example is the Brownie, a type of household spirit from Scottish folklore. They are small, hobbit-like creatures that are often described as being dressed in shabby clothes. Brownies are mischievous and helpful creatures that are said to preside in households or on farms. They are known to be diligent workers in the dead of night, completing chores and tasks in exchange for small offerings or tokens of appreciation. Brownies are characterized by their industrious nature and their willingness to assist with domestic duties. Their tasks include things like tidying up the house, sweeping floors, milking cows, and various other household tasks which are typically performed while the inhabitants sleep. One notable characteristic of brownies, however, is that they are quite shy and prefer to work in secrecy, often vanishing or hiding when they sense human presence. Next up, we've got kobolds. In Germanic folklore, kobolds were mythical sprites believed to have originated in Teutonic Germany. They are sometimes depicted as small helper spirits or fairy beings that live underground in mines or caves, but on occasion, they are represented as mischievous, malevolent creatures that enjoy playing tricks on humans. Kobolds are also believed to have a connection to fire and metal, as they are often found dwelling in mines or near furnaces and forges. Some legends suggest that they can take on the form of animals, such as dogs or cats, while others describe them as small, humanoid beings with a distinctive hat or hood. Though they are commonly associated with woods and mines, kobolds also existed in homes and were known for their helpful nature in assisting with various tasks. Within the home, they would aid with chores and provide valuable services. Kobolds seem to differ from house elves and brownies in that they won't tolerate disrespect. Where house elves and brownies may bite their tongue, kobolds were known for being temperamental and easily offended, becoming outraged when not properly fed or mistreated. The last comparison that I want to make is to the Domovoi. The Domovoi is a fascinating creature from Slavic mythology that has been a prominent figure in folklore for centuries. Like the other creatures mentioned, the Domovoi is believed to be a protective spirit that watches over a home and its inhabitants. Attested from the 6th century CE, the Domovoi is believed to reside in a Slavic home, often near the oven, behind the stove, or under the doorstep. The appearance of a Domovoi can vary, sometimes appearing as an old man or woman, and other times taking the form of animals such as a pig, bird, calf, or cat. Most often, they are described as small, bearded, and covered in hair, with a distinctive grey beard, sort of like a miniature wizard. Interestingly, there are even stories of Domovoi getting deeply attached to a specific family, serving them faithfully for generations, just like house elves. 
other places they work. While house elves were often confined to the houses of specific wizarding families, like the Blacks, the Crouches, and the Malfoys, they were also known to work for a multitude of wizarding institutions. One such institution is Makusa, aka the Magical Congress of the United States of America. While not much is revealed about the exact details of house elf labor in Makusa, we do know that these hardworking and loyal creatures were employed in positions such as janitors and messengers. In Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, we see a scene where a mess of papers is being tidied up by a house elf. Later in the film, we see another house elf sweeping the floor and cleaning the US Congress room. Another place we see house elves working is at the Circus Arcanus. The Circus Arcanus, as you may remember from Fantastic Beasts The Crimes of Grindelwald, is a magical circus that travels around Europe, showcasing strange and wondrous creatures to its crowds. While the specifics of the conditions and duties of house elves working for the Circus Arcanus are unclear, we do know that they were mistreated and forced to carry out dangerous and often humiliating tasks. For example, one house elf was seen serving hot dogs to the circus's patrons, dressed up in a demeaning outfit while being jeered at by the audience. Another was subjected to performing in a dangerous stunt that involved being shot out of a cannon. It's also been heavily implied that house elves work at some of the other wizarding schools, such as Durmstrang and Beaubaton. At these schools, elves were said to be responsible for working in the kitchen, cleaning the school, and transporting student luggage. Notable House Elves While house elves as a species have certainly captured the hearts of Harry Potter fans around the world, I want to highlight a few that really stood out. Dobby This courageous house elf first appeared in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and his journey touched the hearts of readers and viewers alike. Dobby went against the norms and risks to help Harry Potter, eventually earning his freedom. From the moment he ironed his own hands in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, to his heroic sacrifice in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, Dobby showed us the immense power of kindness and the strength that lies within every house elf. Winky Winky, a house elf belonging to the Crouch family, brought forth a different side to house elf experiences. Introduced in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Winky faced hardships and struggles as she navigated life after being dismissed by her master, Mr. Crouch. Her sadness and longing for her old life shed light on the complexities of house elf relationships and the challenges they face when their loyalty is tested and their freedom compromised. Creature If there's one house elf who underwent a transformative journey, it's undoubtedly Creature. As a member of the Black family, Creature's loyalties were tested until his fateful encounter with Harry Potter and his friends. In Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Harry treated Creature with kindness and respect, ultimately winning his loyalty. Creature's role grew even more significant in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, as he became an essential asset in the fight against Voldemort and proved that even the most seemingly irredeemable characters can change. Hokey While a relatively minor character, Hokey, the house of belonging to the late Hepzibah Smith, played a crucial role in the larger narrative of the Horcruxes. In Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, it is revealed that Hokey unknowingly played a part in the death of her mistress and the subsequent theft of Helga Hufflepuff's cup, one of Voldemort's Horcruxes. Hokey's involvement adds depth to the history and consequences of the Dark Arts and serves as a reminder of the dangers that can befall house elves in service to their masters. While these are just a few of the prominent house elves that captured our attention in the Harry Potter series, their stories shed light on the complexities of house elf society, their struggles for freedom, 
and the extraordinary acts of bravery they displayed. Whether they faced immense challenges or found strength in unexpected places, each house elf left an indelible mark on the wizarding world. House Elf Liberation A question that often comes up in discussions is what happened to the house elves after the Battle of Hogwarts. This is an important question and one that deserves to be explored. It is mentioned that over 100 house elves turned up to fight for Hogwarts during the battle. Their bravery and loyalty were instrumental in securing the final victory against Voldemort and his Death Eater army. But what about after the battle? According to J.K. Rowling's writing on Pottermore, the aftermath of the battle saw a shift in the treatment of house elves. Hermione Granger, who has always been a champion for house elf rights, emerged from the war as a leading voice advocating for better treatment and respect for these magical creatures. With the help of then Minister of Magic Kingsley Shacklebolt, she spearheaded a campaign to end the widespread abuse and disregard for house elf welfare. As a result, house elves gained new legal protections. They were given the right to wages and the freedom to leave their current employers if they were mistreated. This was a significant change, as previously, house elves were seen as property without any rights of their own. Additionally, some of the Hogwarts house elves, such as Winky, Dobby, and Creature, were afforded more respect and autonomy. They were given the option to continue working for the Hogwarts community, but now with the freedom to choose when they wanted to work and how they wanted to be treated. Overall, the outcome of the Battle of Hogwarts was a turning point for the treatment of house elves. Their contribution to the final victory was visible for all to see, and people began to realize that these magical beings were more than just servants. They were deserving of respect, dignity, and autonomy. This change in attitude towards house elves was a significant step forward for their rights and recognition within the wizarding world. Closing Thoughts And that concludes my deep dive into the fascinating world of house elves in Harry Potter. Through their stories, we learn valuable lessons about kindness, empathy, standing up against injustice, the complexities of loyalty and freedom, the value of all types of labor, and the potential for change and redemption. Their tales remind us to cherish the magic within us and embrace our journey of self-discovery and enlightenment. If you enjoy the content, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time, remember, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live.